I got some people to talk about and there's no questions <laughs> off limits. So join us on June 18th and hear what Damian Wayne, the unpredictable one, <laughs> your current AIWF World Heavyweight Champion, has to say with the dudes at Ringside Podcast. Hello, good night, and hello there, wrestling fans. I'm Joe Panther Jr., and welcome to the internationally known Dudes at Ringside podcast. And now, introducing for this night train affair, my co host, the happy heel himself, Metal Key. What's going on, Ringside Crew? What's going on, everybody? Welcome to uh, our second parter of this uh, double episode we have today. So it's the yeah. evening edition. So, <laughs> but, um, what, what's going? What's going on, Joe? <laughs> well, uh, I got warmed up, as we say in this business with the podcast today. Yeah. Um, I'm going to introduce our guest, or do you want to do it? He's the he's a IWF champion, Damian Wayne. Hey guys, how you doing? Aha. Welcome. Can y'all hear me? Yeah, we hear you. We hear you loud and clear, good dude. Good deal. Good deal. Doing good, man. How you guys doing? We're doing great, dude. Doing great. Welcome to the Dudes at Ringside podcast, Damien. Thank you, man. It's my pleasure. Thank you very much. <laughs> how was your show tonight? We, we, we heard you had a show tonight. How was how'd it go? How was the match? Yeah, it wasn't bad up in uh, Greenberg, Kentucky uh, for USWF. Uh, wrestled uh, Mike... Uh, Mike Kirkland, or yeah, I think that's his last name. Kirkland, my young kid, first time I've ever met him, first time I'm ever in the ring. And, uh, he put up a good fight, but he ain't Damian Wayne, so I walked out still the champ. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Do you have the belt with you? <laughs> or uh, it's it's uh, up in the trunk, packed up in the bag. Uh, <laughs> in the wrestling bag. Yeah, yeah bag. it's all <laughs> packed up, <clears throat> ready to go. Right? Exactly. You've been you wrestled all over the place, Damien. Like what? What? I you remember you message said you wrestled everywhere, like Ring of Honor. You wrestled in WWE. You wrestled in like everywhere. Yeah, I've been blessed, man. I, I I definitely cannot complain about my career and the things that's you know happened. Uh, I didn't get in until I was thirty, so I knew contract wasn't coming my way. Really, honestly. So everything that's happened to me has been icing on the cake, man. I was just expecting to wrestle once a month right there in my little backyard back home. And, uh, you know, here I am now. I've been, like you said, all over the place and wrestled for WWE, Ring of Honor, and, you know, NWA, wrestled, you know, I grew up on the NWA, wrestled for their world title, held the national title, NWA United States tag team titles, wrestled for the world tag team title, you know, all that. So I definitely cannot complain about my wrestling career. No, mm. <laughs> it sounds like you're a legend yourself, man. You know, uh, you know, I hate to sit there and you know, you know, speak like that, but you know, I, I busted my ass, so I guess if it uh, if it comes to it, then you know, I'll I'll take those accolades definitely. <laughs> <laughs> you're definitely a legend in our book. So, to honor book, you're a legend. You don't you don't need any of those those things. You're a legend. You how many see how many championships you won and how many locations you've been to. It does- it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter 
what like what championship you want if you want WWE or if you want it in Ring of Honor, it really doesn't matter to be honest. It's like you're a legend yourself. That's all. I'm no, I just, yeah, I, I just want to go down as one of the guys that did it the right way and, and helped helped people on the way that I you know coming up through and that you know that that means more than any titles or anywhere I've wrestled or anybody I've wrestled. So you know if. if once I'm gone and long gone, if people sit there and say, "Yeah, Damien did it the right way and and helped people," then then I'll be very happy. That's good. Yeah, I I saw you wrestle Marty Jannetty. What was that like? That was wild. Uh, it was actually supposed to be Jerry Lynn, um, and Jerry Lynn. Uh, I want to say like two weeks or so before that show was a ECW reunion show that he was on and he hurt his back and so he couldn't wrestle in in my match and uh so they called marty and got marty to replace him and then you know i was still somewhat you know green i wouldn't say green i mean it was probably about five or six years in my career but still not to where i thought that i needed to be but the point i'm trying to get to was Marty, when he, he got there late, he was kind of rushing, and he was like, you know, what do you want to do? And I said, well, I prefer to walk and talk. And he was like, sounds good to me. I'll follow your lead. And that kind of, you know, shocked me as a, a vet like him, you know, telling me he's going to follow my lead. And uh, we had a really good match, man. I can't, you know, it was really fun. Mm -hmm. wow. Yeah. That's cool. So, out of all the places you've wrestled, which one was your favorite? Uh, I mean, everywhere you go seems like a different crowd. So, I mean, I've had fun basically everywhere I've gone. But I guess if you really want to, if I had to come down to it, it was, uh, I'm originally from Hampton, Virginia, and I got the Coliseum there. And I grew up in the 80s watching Jim Crockett Promotions, Middleland Championship Wrestling, NWA right there in Hampton. We had Norfolk Scope about 20 minutes up the road and Richmond Coliseum about an hour up the road. So I was pretty spoiled as a kid growing up. But uh, for WWE, I got to wrestle twice at that Hampton Coliseum. So that was pretty amazing. You know, I remember being 11, 12, 13 years old and telling your friends, I'm going to wrestle here one day. You watch, you watch, I'm going to wrestle here. And, you know, damn if I didn't do it, and especially for the biggest company in the world. You did, right? You did it, right? You did. Yeah, it was pretty wild. So, and and uh, the Hampton Coliseum, I heard, is legendary, by the way. Yeah, we've, we've I've, I've seen some great matches live. I mean, I was talking to a buddy the other day about that and just some of the, the matches I've seen live during that time. It was, it was just amazing. You know, and then house shows are just ten times better than any TV thing or anything like that because you always see the unexpected. So it was always great. Yeah, a lot of people comparing the um, Hampton uh, Coliseum to uh, Madison Square Garden. But I'm saying that a lot of places, uh, the garden's probably the most legendary, but a lot of people comparing. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. But I'm saying, like, a lot of people have compared the, that, the Coliseum to the garden. So it, It's legendary. That's it. Like, do you have any stories for us or uh, on the ring? Oh, uh, yeah. I mean, I let's see. Uh, y'all know y'all know who uh, Baby Doll is, right? From back in the day, Horseman and Tully Blanchard and all that. Mm -hmm. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. 
I got to uh, travel the roads with her for about a year. Um, it was me, her, her uh, daughter, who actually wrestles now as uh, uh, Samantha Starr. Anyway, uh, her and another wrestling buddy of mine, we did a lot of travel. was actually doing a lot of traveling to uh, Florida for FIP. And one night she was driving and it was storming really, really bad. We were coming through uh, South Carolina, I want to say, on Interstate 95. And uh, she was getting it and always heard stories that she always drove back in the day for Tully and all of them. And that she, she said, I used to get them to the towns and, and, and no problem <laughs> getting it. So she was getting it. And, and my, me and my buddy was actually asleep. This time her daughter wasn't with us. It was just three of us. And uh, me and my buddy Rex was passed out. We were asleep. She was driving. And right when I woke up, I woke up to uh, reach in the back and steal one of the pillows. And as soon as I woke up, I could feel the, car just hide, just lift up and start hydroplaning and we did about four or five 360s there in the middle of the road and flew off into the uh flew off into the woods and this was the embankment went down pretty far and and the uh, trees were about probably about 40 yards off from the street and we were so far back up often we didn't we, we thank god we didn't hit any trees we we must have hit a spot that was just a bunch of little trees and twig and high grass and all that and we turned on every light in the car so we went you know so, so maybe somebody would see it because this was probably about three o'clock in the morning so there wasn't much traffic on the road and me and my buddy walked up to the up there where the interstate was and we looked down and couldn't even see the car it was like i said we had every light on in the car and we couldn't even see it it was like so far down in there and down into the thing and uh <clears throat> thank god a trucker stopped he called a wrecker for us and about an hour later a wrecker come out and it was probably the coolest thing i've ever seen in my life it was one of them flatbed wreckers and <clears throat> he backed up and he walked his truck he used that little there's that little t-bar at the very back of that truck and the way he uh, moved his bed and that used that T-bar, he actually walked the truck down the embankment, down to where our car was and hooked the chain up to it, got the car up on the, the flatbed there and then walked the truck back up to the street. And it was, it was pretty, I, I wish I could have filmed it <laughs> that way. It was pretty, <laughs> pretty freaking wild to see a tow truck driver. And my brother, my brother, been a tow truck driver for probably about 15 years and, and i told him about it and he was like dude that's probably gotta be the wildest thing you've ever seen and i was like it was pretty wild and impressive so i almost got killed by baby dog put it that way <laughs> that's the moral of that that's story. insane dude. Yeah. yeah that that's crazy um the very night i wrestled uh nigel mcginnis club Audio, which is Cesaro now, and Brent Albright for the Ring of Honor World Title. That night, it was a, a blizzard, and it was about four or five hours up the road from where I lived in Virginia. And <clears throat> this was a Friday night, and me and some of the other local guys had a show back in Virginia Beach Saturday, and a lot of them left after right after the show, or a little before it because it started getting really really bad outside and 
me and the guy I rode with, a really good friend of mine, he's not, he was a, used to be a promoter, but he, he stopped promoting and all that. But, uh, we ended up staying the night. We got a hotel and stayed the night and said, well, we'll track, track in the morning, rather track in the morning than at night. So we woke up and dude, it snowed so bad that when we got out to the, the car in the parking lot, the snow was up to the windows. Uh, we had to dig snow away from the doors to get in the car. And then we couldn't even, we didn't even know where the, the exit out of the parking lot was. We ended up driving over a medium and probably took out a bush the way it felt, but we got out on the road and we, it, it, we were driving like five miles an hour on the interstate. Um, it was snowing and so cold that like every possible opportunity that we stopped, we had to get out and clean the, the uh, wiper blades off and all that because it was just, they were frozen and when, and when they froze we could, they wouldn't work no more so we'd have to stop and clean them off. But point I'm getting to here is uh, we stopped one time. He got out his side. He was driving. I got out the passenger side. I cleaned. He cleaned. We went back and the doors were shut and they locked. So we're stuck in the middle of this interstate. Cars running. Doors are locked and we're locked out and we were probably locked out for about two and a half hours. And during that time, all these people stopped by. Nobody had any kind of slim gym. Nobody, some old lady gave us an umbrella because all he had on was a track suit and a t-shirt. And I had on a pair of jeans, t-shirt and a leather jacket. And that was Jeez. it. Jeez. And we, we, we stood in front of the, the front of the, the vehicle because the engine was running. So we got a little bit of heat off the engine and I ended up making a trek up. There were some houses up. There was a, like a hill over here on to the right hand side. And, uh, there was houses over there. So I made a trek over there and ended up in waist high, uh, snow. I trekked up waist high snow, soaking wet, got up to a house. They uh, put my clothes in a dryer and gave me some coffee. And I was like, dude, I feel bad. My look, my buddy's out there still. So, I, you know, they called and they said that it'd probably be about an hour before anybody can get out here and help y'all. So I went back down there and me and my buddy just froze until somebody, it was about an hour. Somebody came with one of them little uh, pump things where you squeeze through the window and pump it open enough to slide the thing in there and pop it undone. And, Man, we had the heat on high power all the way the rest of the way home. Oh, I thought we, like. we literally thought we were going to die, dude. There was, you know, there's no exaggeration about that. We literally thought we looked at each. I mean, there was ice forming on our goatees and shit like that, and we were like, oh, "Yeah, we're, we're fucked, dude." Jesus. <laughs> oh, <laughs> but I, I'm sure I would have probably, you know, the, the bust out the window started to become a you know a uh reality there and we were trying not to do it then you know thank god somebody came to our rescue oh dude that's we an angel was watching you that night man very much so very much. i guess that's tw twice i escaped death yeah <laughs> uh, insane uh, that's insane story dude right Oh yeah, in our in our chat on the live chat right now, we have a guy that actually wrestles in London, England. He's in the chat right now, Riley. Yeah, I would love to get over there one day. <laughs> yeah, he's, I, a, yeah. He's, he's a young wrestler in London. He's a very he actually he. It's funny he um 
we also do um we, we usually do watch parties for like the pay-per-views and he uh, and he just found us randomly and while I wasn't there, it was Geek in in, in uh mod. They're watching and he just popped into the chat one day and started talking and he's like, Who's Riley Measures? <laughs> a real wrestler. A real wrestler comes into the chat and you're like, What? Who are you? <laughs> and, yeah. Uh, Super nice guy though, you know? Super cool. Very good. Yeah. There's a few of us out here. <laughs> And it's like we we when we when we started out was like we just started talking about Raws and Smackdowns and then I started asking people that I know like wrestlers that I know from around from the East Coast and then and then and then I started asking people like you and then the other people and we started getting guests it was almost hilarious that the wrestlers some wrestlers as like you said before some wrestlers respond immediately they see it and then they they'll talk to you and then some of them are just you, as I told Geek, it doesn't even say scene. It's just like they ghost you. They ghost you. I, I mean, really I, you. I always put, I always put guys over like y'all. I mean, y'all give us wrestlers a platform to get on and promote ourselves and get ourselves over or whatever that you know. Why you know y'all? I don't see why anybody would ghost y'all or, or not want to. You know what I'm saying? I mean. Y'all give us a platform to get ourselves out there. So I always put put y'all podcast over or anything like you know people like y'all. I definitely put it over. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's like we're on the East Coast. You're you're over in ten like Tennessee, is it or uh, yeah Tennessee? Yeah, Tennessee right outside Nashville. Like before this, I didn't even know I knew of you because I heard about you from Ring of Honor. That's about it. Yeah. And I'm like, hmm, name stops in layer. I was like, oh my god, he was in Ring of Honor. I remember him. Yeah. <laughs> I remember seeing you in Ring of Honor. <laughs> yeah, it says also you in the Heartbreak Express. That's right. Yeah, that was down in uh, FIP. Yep, that was uh, Phil and and Sean and me and Rhett Titus and originally my buddy Rex, the one that was coming driving with us. His name's Rex Sterling. He don't wrestle no more either. But uh, it's a shame. He's a hell of a talent. And then. Uh, uh, he got out for some personal reasons, and then we brought in another buddy of mine, Chris Escobar. But uh, and that was that was some fun times there. Mm-hmm. I remember those old uh, those old Ring of Honor shows where you would have to, like you couldn't even see the show at all. You'd have to actually buy the VHS or DVD. Those were the yeah. days, right? Those were the days of Ring of Honor. It's like, oh, what happened? You would have to go on the boards and just go by somebody's yeah. word. That's about it. And then yeah, when the DVD. Yeah, I was gonna say yeah. You're you're right. I think mine was like oh seven oh eight, and that was right. That was even before they even left the northeast area. They were still a northern company, and I want to say uh, Nigel was champ. Uh, Morishima was there, so I got to see Morishima and Nigel live a few times, dude. That was that was freaking amazing. Morishima was great. Morishima was great, by the way. Um, <laughs> Yeah, I got the Japanese Terry Gordy. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you definitely. Yeah, Nigel was another great one, though. Yeah, yeah, Nigel was really cool. It was, I mean, uh, most of the guys there were were really great to me, man. They, you know, they were, they, you know, I got a few uh, main show matches, did quite a few pre-show matches, and got to work quite a few of their guys. And then, you know, Gabe sent sent me and Rex down to to Florida, and I got to work a lot. Of, quite a few good guys down there doing that so you know that was fun it was and once Gabe left I kind of 
uh, Gabe was the one that was really behind me. Uh, and once he, when he had fallen out and left Ring of Honor, then my my stuff kind of dwindled off. So I was like, man, these thirteen hour trips to Florida ain't worth it no more. Yeah, I, I remember Ring of Honor being like, like the place to be. I mean, it still is, but yeah. but but I'm saying, no, that old four oh five era, you had the most unbelievable talent and to work mm-hmm. with. You had. You had Punk, you had Dan, uh, Danielson, you had Joe, uh, and they even had people they couldn't get in that top level. That's how great they were, you know? Yeah. You, they had they you, had too. Yeah. Great so. talent, man. All their talent was amazing. <laughs> but, you know, now it's like I feel like it's it's still good, but, I mean, it's not like that 04, 05 ever. No, no. It kind of lost its flavor a little bit. When, when do you think it lost its flavor? When Danielson left, or uh... no? Um, I guess when it got the when Sinclair and all them, uh, you know, TV changes everything. So yeah, that's true. I, and, and you know, you go from like you said the DVD stuff to you know where they're they're basically house shows. But they're putting them on DVDs and selling them, and then versus now they're on TV and stuff's more TV oriented, which is not going to be as special. Um, yeah, special. Um, there's probably another word I'm looking for, but you're on the same. You know, you're you're thinking the same way I'm thinking on that. But um, so I would say probably that. You know, because other than that, it's not, it's not the matches, it's not the talent. You know, all that's great. You know, that's it's the that's TV. Amazing. But it's, I think it's more the TV stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Trying to think what else. <laughs> kind of so, questionable fun stuff. So you you say you're on the East Coast. Where 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 are you located? Uh, um, New York. He's in, New, in York. New York. I'm uh-huh. in Pennsylvania. You're in Pennsylvania, New York. Good yeah. Deal, good deal. Uh-huh. I never got to wrestle in New York. I've been through there quite a bit. Pennsylvania, I've wrestled a few. I've wrestled at the ECW Arena a few times and and stuff like that. Philly was, I, uh, me and my buddy Rex wrestled each other in a pre-show match for Ring of Honor at their Do or Die thing in Philly. Mm-hmm. I remember. Yeah. I, I remember those shows. They should bring those back. To be honest with you. Yeah, yeah, that was pretty fun there. That was that was that was that winning over the Philly crowd was freaking amazing. You know, getting I, them to chant, please come back, please come back. That was, that was, that was fun. That was special, you know, too. You no, know you mean it when the Philadelphia crowd chants at you. Exactly. Like I said, if you can win them over, you did something because I'm a, I'm a sports fanatic and I know how their fans are and baseball, football, I know how they are. And if you can win them over, then you did something. Yeah, they're <laughs> tough. They're tough fans to work with because you know they're very picky. You know. Yes. <laughs> You're fine. <laughs> but very yeah, I, I still remember the yeah, I still remember those Ring of Honor Duo Die shows. I mean, those afternoon shows. Those, I guess, that's kind of like what AEW Dark is now. Yeah. Yeah. In a way, in a way because. Everyone's trying to get their shot to get onto AEW, and this is their chance, you know? They're trying. You're right. You're right about that. 
That's what they, that's what Ring of Honor was doing with the Do or Die shows. <clears throat> Excuse me, guys. Our friend, our friend, our friend Thunderfeet, that's in the comments, says Philly. Philly is awesome for that. I'm from Philly. <laughs> yeah. Whatever, Philly. Yeah. Don't definitely Philly's don't want the Philly crowd mad at me. <laughs> yeah. Gross <laughs> things. Yeah, you know, you know, if they're mad at you, you're probably not coming back, right? <laughs> back, getting batteries thrown at you, and everything else. <laughs> A glass, right? Whatever they yeah. could find, whatever they could find. So, yeah, I don't need none of that. Mm-mm. You have any more stories in the ring, or uh... I, got, I got one question. What was what was the toughest crowd you ever had to deal with at a wrestling event? Um, toughest crowd. Uh, hmm, I would probably say. I would probably say my very first uh, dark match with uh, Ring of Honor, pre-show match, however you want to call it. Um, it was against Rhett Titus. Rhett was still in the school or fresh out of the school. And it was in Edison, New Jersey. And, of course, being a Ring of Honor crowd and, you know, I'm more of a Mid-Atlantic guy. And um, so, you know, North northeast probably really didn't hear i you know i, I followed the uh the message board you know my name was few people knew who i was but you know i guarantee you out of the three thousand probably two thousand nine hundred and fifty didn't know who i was at that time so that was probably really tough because you know y'all know a ring of honor crowd oh yeah so, no matter where it's at so when it you know Wrestling in front of them and not knowing, you know, you get spoiled, you know, wrestling your normal places because, of course, everybody knows who you are there. And then when you venture out and nobody knows who you are, and especially a crowd like that that don't pull no punches. Yeah. So, yeah, I'd probably say that was probably the roughest. Yeah. What's yeah. About? You got it. Okay. <laughs> What's your most memorable match? Most memorable match. Um, I've probably had a few that I could say is most memorable, but um, growing up on the NWA and the NWA world title and what it, you know, even to this day with it not being those three letters, not meaning as much as it did then the three letters still mean something to me because, you know, I grew up on it. So I wrestled, Quite a few times for the world title, but one night me and Adam Pierce went to a 60-minute draw and did the big dusty finish where the crowd thought I won the belt and, and all that good stuff. And just holding that belt for that quick little moment and all that jazz, It was that was pretty special. That was really, really fun. And, and I want to say... Uh, Baby Doll was came out with him to start the match. I was babyface, of course, because it was in my home promotion. Um, I want to say Sonny was there too, and Sonny was like uh, a special ring or uh, bell, you know, something like that. Um, but yeah, we did the big dusty fan. 
Uh, we didn't, you know, me and Adam, it was the second time we ever wrestled each other, but we didn't even talk about anything. Um, we knew the finish, just didn't know how to go. We were going to go into it until that last moment. And what we did was uh, my finisher was the power driver. And, of course, Adams was the power driver. That was a little backstory to our little feud. And um, I hit him with the power. The time limit was counting down, 10, 9, 8. I hit him with the power driver. And the count of the time limit and the referee's count was to where the bell rang for the time limit draw right in between the two and three count. So the three count – Three count was still made, so the crowd thought I won the belt and all that good stuff. And uh, then it was no, the time limit expired. Pierce still the champ, you know that good stuff. And I uh, said, so, yeah, that was that was really, really, really amazing. Just you know, going sixty minutes, just like the flares and steamboats, and for that same exact belt and all that, you know, my home promotion. Uh, it was probably. About 500, 600 people there. So, yeah, that's pretty good for a little indie show. And, you know, it was, it was pretty special there. That's crazy. Uh, we got two comments. We have two questions on this thing. What was, what was your biggest injury you have ever had in wrestling? Um, Thank God and knock on wood, I've never had an injury to where I've had to take time off. Um. I've probably hyperextended both of my knees six or seven times. Uh, you know, I've, I've did something to my shoulder for a while, like three years. I couldn't lift my arm ab- above my head and stuff like that. But nothing that ever stopped me from wrestling. I even uh, – I was having knee problems, and my dumbass did a cactus jack elbow, you know, off the side of the ring onto the floor – during a match and I landed right on my knee on that and I finished the match, but I actually had to crawl, which thank God I was a heel and played it like I was crawling away from the baby face, but I had to crawl to the back cause I couldn't walk no more. Um, I made it home. Um, I, you know, I could hobble around. I went to bed. This was like a, a Friday or a Saturday. And I know I had a show the following day because I woke up and I couldn't walk and at all so i got crutches i made it to the show and i was in a tag match and i was like you know they were trying to scramble around what can we do what can we do and i was like we're in a tag match i could stand on the freaking apron and get in and throw a couple punches and cheat and get you know tag back out i said we'll be okay we'll be okay so we went out there to have the match and uh it probably won't two minutes i was in the ring and i was jumping all over the place bumping all over the place yeah i didn't even feel my knee and as soon as i got to the back again i couldn't walk on it no more <laughs> because the adrenaline oh, off. but yeah, other than that you know I've, I've you know i've been split open hard way quite a few times and stuff like that but thank god i've never had any kind of injuries i was just telling somebody the other day that um august will be 19 years and I honestly don't think I've really taken any time off for anything. You know, wow. I might have taken a weekend off or two weekends off, but I've never took that extended period of time off. Wow. But um, I also have a question. It's um, like, is there any spot that you refuse to take? 
Um, like I won't do. Spot. I mean, I won't. Yeah, I don't do the light tubes. I haven't did thumbtacks. That's still up in the air. I don't know. I might do that if it come down to it. But um, those two things, um, I probably, you know, I, light tubes for sure. I definitely wouldn't do. You know, and a lot of that hardcore deathmatch stuff I wouldn't do. It's you know, it's pretty stupid. I don't. I don't put it down or I'm not against anybody doing it. Cause you know, everybody's got their own cup of tea, but, um, as for like regular moves, you know, stupid moves that I think are very stupid and fakeish, like Canadian destroyer. And I'm not going to, you know, I'm not going to do anything like that. Um, but other than that, uh, I, I, I trained myself to, at least think in my head that I can take any move or spot and do any move or spot, even if I haven't did it. You know what I'm saying? Um, I I tell guys all the time, I don't have no move set. I don't have no shit to get in. Um, and so I, I feel like I'm, I'm able to do anything that, that comes upon that moment. And I even taught my kids back home in Virginia. I told them, you know, every night y'all go home, I want y'all to think of a move or a spot that you want to take or in a move and a spot that you want to learn how to give. And I don't care if you think you'll ever do it. You, you don't think your character will ever do it. Because um, me, I'm 19 year veteran and I can be in the ring with another veteran and they'll call a, a spot. And I'll be like, in my head, I'm like, I ain't never did that. You know, but I can't sit there and say, not time out, stop the match. Hey, man, I ain't never did this move. You got to call something else. You know, you can't do that. So I told them to come in and, let's, you know, so every time they came in, you know, they, they tried to, you know, different stuff and, and take different stuff. And so that the, they can be prepared down the road to if they're ever caught off guard that, you know, hey, they're comfortable enough to at least do the do the move. So yeah, uh, other than that, I'm just I'm more old school. I'm more uh, I, I want to I want to be believable. So the more the more unbelievable the spot is, the, the I'm not going to do it. Yeah. It's always good to have a little bit of like, okay, I won't do this. I won't, I'll I'll do that. A lot of people are like, okay, I'll just do that and try it, and then they. <laughs> They try it and then they get hurt and then they forget. Man, I shouldn't have tried that. <laughs> and it's no. not only it's not only that. It's also like it's like you gotta think five to ten years down the road because you're like, in five to ten years it could be like, man, I should have never done that five to ten years ago. <laughs> what was I thinking? So exactly, you know, like I, like me now. One of my big like baby face hope spot misses or the dumbass heel miss spot is the Alabama Jan the leg drop off the top. And I miss that all the time so much that my tailbone and my lower back is just, and I, I, I tell myself all the time. I even tell my wife, I ain't doing that no more. And she <laughs> looks at me and like, yeah, okay, whatever. And damn, if it ain't the, Freaking next match, I'm out there telling the dude to move, and I'm jumping as high as I can and landing straight on my ass. And but so yeah, it, it, you're right. It, 
down the road, you wish that you didn't do half the stuff that you did. <laughs> it's like the Ted DiBiase top rope thing. You know he's not going to come off the top rope every time the wrestler or other wrestler will pull him off. Yeah. It's kind of like the Ric Flair thing when every time he goes yeah. to that top, uh, every time he goes to that top rope, somebody pulls him down. <laughs> That's it. Exactly. I think yeah. I think I seen him do something twice in freaking forty years. <laughs> Actually hit a move and not get slammed. Every <laughs> times. Did you yeah. did you ever get a chance to be around Flair when you were in NWA or I mean I met Flair uh in WWE and a mark out moment with him was uh he came to Norfolk for the company I was working for in Norfolk. Uh, he came there for a Ric Flair appreciation night. And I remember being right outside the building and his limo pulled up and everybody went running inside. Oh God, Ric Flair's here, Flair's here, Flair's here. So we all walked inside and we're, we're all kind of lined up waiting for him to come through the door. And we're kind of lined up through the little hallway into the locker room and he comes in and he's, shakes his hand and introduces himself to everybody and you know everybody's in their head going yeah no shit we know you're Ric Flair but he shook everybody's hand and introduced himself to everybody and when he got to me he, he as he was shaking my hand and before he even said anything he was shook my hand with the other one hand and was kind of doing his finger like this and he was like I know you from somewhere I know you and I was like, well, I've met you a few times at WWE. Yep, that, I couldn't even get WWE out. And he was like, yep, that's where I know you from. That's where I've seen you at. <laughs> so that was a pretty, that was a mark out moment that he actually kind of remembered my face. Yep, so. <laughs> Did you ever get a chance to meet people like uh, another, like the other name you mentioned before, uh, Ricky the Dragon Steamboat? Oh. You, did you hear me, Damien? Yeah. yeah, I've met Steamboat quite a bit. All right, can you hear me? Oh, I, 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 I heard yeah. you a little bit, yeah. Hello? A little bit. All right, there we go. Oh, no. Okay. Yeah. yeah, Steamboat. Uh, yeah, with Steamboat, I, I've met him a few times and got to uh, um, pick his brain, put it that way. Uh, he was working out with a few guys. And uh, so, you know, Steamboat was great. Uh, talking about old school names like Flair and Steamboat. Uh, my top five, actually my top six, put it this way, before I even got into business was Tully Blanchard, uh, Barry Windham, Rick Rude, uh, Jake Roberts, Terry Funk, and Manny Fernandez. And once I got into business, I got to train with Tully Blanchard for four months and had him as a booker for two two shows. So I got to pick his brain on that. Um, Barry Windham I had as one of my road agents for a match at WWE, so I got to pick his brain there. Rude, I never got to meet because he passed away before I, I think I even got into business. Um, Jake Roberts, I got to pick his brain quite a bit from being on shows. Plus, you know, Baby Doll and him are brother and sister, basically. So I got to talk to him a few times on the phone and stuff like that. And then Manny Fernandez, I got to, I probably wrestled him probably 10, 15 times and trained with him. 
and then got to train a little bit with Terry Funk. So I've been blessed with being able to learn and pick the brains of the, the five of the top six guys that I considered the best in the business before I even got into business. So that was pretty amazing right there. That, that that's I can't complain about that at all. That's awesome. Like you had a chance to pick the brains of like the golden era of people that everybody loved, like Robert, yeah. um, Steamboat, yeah. Blair, like Tully. It's great. It's, 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 it's pretty wild. Uh, you know, I've been around and wrestled quite a few times, Ricky Morton. So I've got you know pick his brain. Uh, I've been in two pretty successful tag teams. So you know, being around Ricky and picking his brain on tag team wrestling. Um. Yeah, he was wrestling. my first. He was my first name that I ever wrestled, and my first cage match was Ricky Morton. Oh wow! Yeah, that was pretty. That was pretty wild. I know we're the story wrestler too. We're actually yeah. having. Um, we're actually having one of his trainees on our podcast. We're having Riley Rocket. Gotcha. Yeah, I've been to. Uh, I uh, was not too far. I build uh, pole barns here and there on on the. You know, when I'm not wrestling and I was building one probably about 15 minutes from his school. So I hit him up and asked him, it would be all right if I stopped by. And he was like, yeah, kid, come on. So I get there and I, I wasn't even one foot in the door. And he was already telling me, all right, kid, you're teaching class tonight. And I was like, okay, Ricky, put me on the spot there. <laughs> so that was pretty amazing that Ricky Morton wanted me to come in and teach his class for that night. So that was pretty fun. Try- he trusted you because he knows that you're probably one of the greats, you know? Yeah, that, that felt really good. <laughs> but uh, we also have well, a question also. If you could wrestle and work with anyone, who would it be? Um, if, if, if In their prime, I would probably say like Steamboat because you're the ultimate. I feel like I'm the ultimate heel. You know, I, I feel like when I'm playing the heel that I'm one of the better ones because I actually cheat. I actually do what a heel is supposed to do. And I think me and Steamboat would have amazing matches. So in their prime Steamboat, as for today, um, Randy Orton, most definitely. I think Randy Orton is the best in the business today. Um, so I would love to work him. Um and uh, Jay Lethal, I would really like to work to uh, work Jay Lethal. Mm-hmm. A lot, a lot of wrestlers have told me, like on the podcast, they said Darby is another guy that a lot of people would love to work with. Dar- yeah, I could see Darby being fun just because his size and the bumps he would take for you. It's, uh, exactly, you know. <laughs> stuff in the some of the stuff Darby does is just like I don't know that coffin drop. I don't know he can be a yeah. real. <laughs> It's a little, yeah, it's a little That's, weary. Um, just, I, I don't think I would be good with Darby because I'm more, I, I like to sell myself. I'm, I'm, I am middle aged and crazy Terry Funk in my matches now. I, I love to sell my offense, even when I'm on offense, uh, I'm selling. Uh-huh. And so, you know, to to work somebody like a Darby. It, not that it wouldn't be fun or that I couldn't do it. It just, you know, his style and to, to what I like to do, just, you know, I, I like just, 
he would be hard to be able to sell that way for because you know he he's the Ricky Morton of today. He's the one that gets his ass whipped all the time. So that means I would have to be on offense the majority of the time, which I don't like. You know, I'm not I'm not big on you know even even as a heel, I don't like that five minute baby over at the beginning, ten minute heel. He then goes to the fit. I don't I don't like that. You know, I I took from Tully. Tully told me if you ever go watch him and Ricky Morton, it was like two minute heat, give Ricky Morton a comeback, boom, cut off. Two minute heat, give Ricky a comeback. He said I took him on a ride, up and down, up and down. So I kind of took that as my style to the day. So I'm not big on a lot of offense. You know, I tell guys today, like you know, when I'm a hill, there, what do you want to do? I said, buddy, I kick, punch, and cheat. I don't do anything else. <laughs> and so, uh, and then other than that, I'm, I'm selling. So, but uh, but yeah, as of today, um, Randy Orton and Jay Lethal would be today, and and if it was somebody I could catch in their prime, it would be Ricky Steamboat. Uh-huh. That was gonna be that was actually gonna be one of my questions. Actually, which would you prefer to be a heel or face? But you kind of answered it. It's with well, I, I, yeah. I, <laughs> I mean, I get lucky because. Even as a baby face, um, I'm Stone Cold, Road Warrior gimmick because I don't have to change. It's just who I'm wrestling. Uh-huh. I've been on many shows to where I'm the baby face and I cheat more in my match than every heel on the show. And I'm the baby <laughs> face. Because, so, yeah, so I get lucky to where I don't really have to change anything other than who I'm wrestling. Uh-huh. Well, when you get, if you, if you speak to Baby Doll at some point, Tell her, tell her if she wants to wants to come on a podcast. We'd we'd happy to have her as well. I definitely will. Definitely will. We 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 always love interviewing anybody, and we know she probably has some cool stories like you. She can tell her side oh. of the story about the accident, about the car. There ain't no other. There ain't no other side of that story. They <laughs> <laughs> have her take. <laughs> She's great though. She she I learned a lot from her too, man. You know, I picked her brain. It was amazing to have her as my manager for a while and you know, you you lay out a match and you don't never have to worry about if she's gonna be in the right place at the right time and do anything she's supposed to do and you know, so that was always great. So I learned quite a bit from her on the roads. That's cool. Do you ever think about changing your character, or? Um, no. I, well, I can't say no. It's just I say I, I I could never do it. Um, in high school, um, then growing up doing backyard as a kid, I, my alter ego, my wrestling character at that time was Mister Magnificent Ron Anthony. Mm-hmm. That's who I wanted to be. And when the opportunity came for me to start training, the company that I was training in had a wrestler named Mark Anthony. So, of course, they didn't want two Anthonys. So I was like, all right, I'll use my son's name, Devin Wayne. And my very first match that they had planned for me was me and another trainee versus two uh, two other uh, veterans and I turned on the other trainee and joined this heel manager and the heel manager was Devin Sturgis so they didn't want two Devins I'm like y'all are killing me man I'm thinking of these <laughs> names and there's like 
So what I was told was uh, I always was told I looked evil. My eyes were sunk in my, you know, deep in my, you know, the dark and that I didn't have to speak. Uh, I was in a tag team after that match. Uh, it, that was setting up everything because my last four months of training, they put me with a guy named Mike Booth to where they knew we were going to be a tag team when we broke in. So um, we did that. Uh, <clears throat> as the old school empire. And uh, so I wrote down a bunch of that, about five or six names and the, the word evil kept playing in my head and I was like well Damien the omen you know omen I was thinking of the movie omen and Damien the son of the devil and this and that and I put it with Wayne and I was like that sounds pretty cool so that was one of the names out of the five or six and I sent it to my two trainers and the promoter and uh everybody agreed on Damien Wayne out of that group of names so that's how I got that name and then it was probably a year after that's when the Batman and Robin gimmick came out and all that I saw that stuff. yeah so at least I can say I had it out before they did <laughs> I, I, I actually but, tried to sorry go ahead well, I was going to say but the, back to the, the thing was is I, I built the name Damian Wayne up because so, there was a few times where I was like man I really want to do the Ron Anthony gimmick I really want to do it and even my wife was like you, you you're nobody other than Damian Wayne you can't you, you're not you can't do it <laughs> so, so changing my gimmick, no, uh, I, I don't. I, you know, there was a few times where I went from the badass persona kind of gimmick to where I did the the experience. I was Damian Wayne experience to where I was. Uh, I went from like uh, my black label society music to uh, I think I was coming out to uh, all I do is win by DJ Khaled. Like, <laughs> so I did that. Yeah, that was a little, that was a little, little fun time there. But other than that, changing the game, like, I don't think I could ever do it. It's hard because, like, certain gimmicks just work with certain people. Robert is a dark and mysterious guy with a bag. And then if you change him and say, okay, um, like a John Cena, we're gonna have you be friendly with the children, but then first we're gonna have you be rapper and be sinister and mean, and then they're gonna make you all these do wear the all these bright colors and make you friendly and say, "Kids, be a good man." And, yeah, and just don't work. <laughs> doesn't work. This doesn't work. But uh, fans won't I, respect you. I also tried to YouTube your name to try to watch some of your matches. I kept getting Batman and Robin stuff, and I was like, yeah. "No!" I was like, "No!" Right. <laughs> Well, that's why, yeah, that's why I tell a lot of people now. I was like, uh, do Damian Wayne wrestler, and, and you'll, get all, all, yeah, you'll get all the wrestling stuff. I figured that I put wrestling or wrestler in there, and then I got everything after that. So, yeah, that kind of sucks, but yeah. he wants to follow in my footsteps, so I let him. Uh, hey. <laughs> <laughs> I guess you could feel honored, I guess, right? After that, right? He probably yeah. said. The career of DC was probably like, hmm, Damian Wayne. Damian I'm Wayne. just, I'm shocked I've never got any uh, cease and desists or anything from them. So I guess probably. they don't really give a shit about little Damian Wayne. No, I guess not. They're probably a fan. They're probably like, oh, cool. <laughs> Let's huh. just let him keep the name. 
But um, but, have you ever had the chance to meet Vince or Triple H or? Uh... Um, when I did a few things there, I've uh, I met uh, I met them both. Uh, nothing you know major. Just you know, shook hands and introduced myself to them. Um, they they loved everything about me when I was there and the tryouts that I had. But once they found out, because I think I was thirty seven or thirty eight at the time of all of this, and so you know again, I knew in the back of my head once they found out how old I was, you know, it was probably going to go downhill. Uh-huh. But I was along for the ride. I won't go playing. And then they used me quite a bit after that, you know, for extra work and extra stuff. And, but, um, so, yeah. But, uh, Triple H was out there for one of my tryout matches, um, to where they actually, they had me work another guy. And then they told that guy to get out and they put another guy in there with me and had me work him. And then Scott Armstrong, when he was, uh, referring, there he uh, pulled me to the side and he was like do you know why they did that and I was like no sir I have no clue and he was like because they liked what you were doing and they just wanted to see if you could adapt because I was in there with a bigger dude and then they put a smaller dude in there I was like oh wow so I was pretty stoked about that and then I got in front of Jamie Noble who's pretty much ran all the tryouts and stuff and uh, he looked at me he was like 37 I was like, yes, sir. He was like, God damn it. He was like, man, we like you. We like everything about you and this and that. But So, yeah, the age kind of held me back on that. But That's a bummer. That's a real bummer because if you have potential and you they know you can work a camera and work a microphone and get the crowd to go on your side, but the age would have meant nothing. If yeah, but, you know, I know how it works. And like I said, I'm a base uh, a, a sports geek. Baseball is my second passion. I know how to, you know, if you got a 21 year old phenom pitcher or the 40 year old veteran that's probably got two more years left, you know, who you who you throwing 10 million dollars at? Yeah, you going to throw 10 million dollars at that 21 year old phenom? You know, so yeah. I, I know how it works. You know. I mean, I know how, you know, it's like, it's like now I, I enjoy going places and, and, you know, working with the young guy and, you know, cause like I said, I don't have no move set. I don't have no shit to get in. So when I get in the ring, I can pretty much help, you know, lead the other guy. So I, I, new promoter hits me up. I'm like, you know, use my name to benefit you. You don't bring me in and put the belt on me or don't bring me in and make me do this or do that. Bring me in and put me with your young baby face and let me work a program and get him over. Let me help lead him in a match. Let me teach him in the ring. You know, you can go to training all you want, but it's all, what are they, what's the old saying on on job training? And I'm one of the vets that enjoys and can actually get in there and, and, lead a guy and train teaching as we're working and not worry about oh i gotta look good oh i gotta do this oh, i gotta get this spot in i'm the vet you know, fuck that shit i want to help bring up people you know the more better people i can get working in the ring is only going to benefit me and other people because we're not working shitty talent we're working better talent it's exactly. I mean, you you have the right you have the right idea to put. Ta- it's all about putting talent over. The future is is what it's all about. 
that's I enjoy that. That's what I want to do, you know. So, you know, I just love teaching. It's like, like I said, baseball's my second passion. Once wrestling's over with, I, I, I want to coach varsity baseball. You know, that's just, I love to teach. And uh, so I tell guys, just, you know, use me for that. I, I don't care about winning and losing. I'm a, be, I'm a get over. I can lose to every guy in your locker room, but I guarantee I'll be the most over guy in your locker room. So I'm not worried about that. So you, use me to benefit you and your company. Exactly. Yeah. That's the way it should be. Like, I feel like WWE, I think back then, was more like looking at guys like, oh, he's 38. We're, we'll pick somebody else. Now, well, and now, now it doesn't seem that way. Now it seems like they're going for – the, the vets with the with the experience and say okay we'll pick this guy up or like because it's kind of like that now because they're trying to you know you got AEW so now they're trying to swipe up everybody back then one thing that people tend you know one thing that a lot of guys don't realize or the typical fan doesn't realize is when it comes to WWE talent is the last thing on the totem pole uh-huh. they're looking at your look your charisma, and are you going to make them money? It ain't got nothing to do with wrestling talent because they think they can send you to the performance center and teach you how to wrestle. Exactly. Yeah. So they can, you can have a 6'1", 230-pound veteran that can get in there and, and out-wrestle Kurt Angle, and you can have a 6'4", 320-pound, suntan, blonde surfer and I guarantee you they're going to sign that 6'4", 320-pound blonde surfer before they sign that veteran wrestler. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Because of his look, his size, and they're like, we can teach him how to wrestle. But, yeah, I, I agree so with you. When it comes to WWE, yeah, when it comes to WWE, talent's the last thing. Mm-hmm. Exactly. because But now that they have AEW, now they're looking at the picture, I think, a little bit differently because yeah. it's like, we we got to get this guy, you know? Yep. Yep. So scoop them up. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm surprised. I know you're the age you are. I'm surprised AEW hasn't tried to call you because all your accomplishments, I'm surprised they didn't go, hmm, mm-hmm. interesting. You could have this guy as a, uh, a leader of a faction. You or, know? Or even that, or coach. Yeah. It could coach somebody because AEW has a lot of coaches. factions in AEW right now. Yeah. The only bad thing about AEW is AEW is your like your little buddy buddy system right now. Mm-hmm. Everybody there knows everybody, or they've had, they got some kind of connections with somebody there. Um, which you, you can't complain. It's given a place for guys to work and and make money. You know, I'm exactly. not going to complain about anybody making many money. So. No. Um, yeah, so if it's like I tell a lot of people now, it's like they always ask, you know, why ain't you going to WWE? Why ain't you going this? Blah, 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 blah. And you know, it's I'm 19 years in. I'll be 50 in December. Um, I'm, I'm married to my best friend. She supports me. If I want to wrestle every day, she supports it. But you know, um, I just it. it if I wanted to live out of my car and stay on the road 24 seven, which I did there for a while, I lost my first two marriages because of professional wrestling and I've lost, which 
thank God I got back, but I lost my relationship with my biological son and stuff like that because of wrestling. I mean, you know, because I was just, you know, I put wrestling very, very high on the totem pole and family life and real life and stuff was way, way down. And uh, so, you know, I lived that life and it's, it's single it's and i guess the way i was living then was great but the way i'm now it's not the life i want to live so you know that hustle the hustle ain't there no more but uh you know i'm i'm, I'm enjoying what i'm doing now so i definitely ain't complaining mm-hmm. okay. yeah, it's difficult to be like a dad being a wrestler because you you know sometimes you're you're hardly ever home you know what i mean you're like you're there one day, and then gotta go, gotta go back. Yeah. See you later. There was there was there was about a three there was about a three four year period where I was running with a, a guy Lance Erickson. We were the Lords of Chaos, and we were pushing for the NWA World Tag Team Titles, and uh, we uh, about three close to four years we put about 178 to 180,000 miles on his car just in those couple of years that's how much we were on the road traveling and busting our ass trying to get to where excuse me to win the nwa world tag team titles and here's a little story that i haven't told you know i think i've told maybe once or twice on a podcast but other than that you know a lot of people know it but they don't know the inside scoop of it, but we were, I even got the email still saved so I can look at it every once in a while, but we were scheduled to go to New Japan and win the NWA World Tag Team belts from Kojima and uh, Tenzan. Wow. And his dumbass lied for about three or four months about getting a passport. He couldn't even get a passport, so it kind of fucked those ideas up. And wow. So, yeah, that kind of, that, that, so shit like that and shit i've even was told for close to three or four months that i was going to be the nwa world heavyweight champion and i drove all the way to uh new jersey that night that we had a uh eight man match for the belt and uh I drove eight hours to New Jersey, walked into the building only to be told that uh, since the internet and everybody and their grandma knows or thinks I'm going to win, we're going to swerve the fans and put the belt on Cahagas. So I got punished because everybody knew or thought I was going to win. And shit Damn like that. I, I tell <laughs> guys all the time, man, man, I hear guys bitch and complain about this business all the time. And I look at them and I say, dude, I could tell you shit that would that would make the normal guy cry and quit this business. And I said, you know, so y'all ain't got shit to complain about, (laughs) you know? So, but, but the passion is too strong for anything like that to, to ruin my, my love for what, you know, professional wrestling has given me and the opportunities I've gotten from it. So. Yeah. Uh Oh, it's you know it's hard because these days the, the the young wrestlers, some of the young wrestlers think that they're just gonna walk in the door and the company's gonna go, here's the championship, you're champion now. You have to work your way up the top. You know what I mean? Like you're right. They don't. It's like I was talking earlier. The hustle. You know, 
it's uh, the thing is, is a lot of these guys are they get in these little cliques and they're, they they only travel in their cliques. And if their clique doesn't go to this promotion, then they're not going to go to this promotion. If they can't get their clique booked on this promotion, then they're not going to take the booking. They all stick together. And I'm like, 97.8% of my 19 years, other than my significant other being with me, was me traveling by myself. And how many locker rooms I walked into where I didn't know a soul. I said, but now, 19 years later, I guarantee you I can get booked anywhere in the United States. And when I walk in that locker room, I guarantee you I'm going to know two or three people because I got out there and busted and went places. I wasn't scared, scared to go to places by myself. I wasn't scared to go to this place or that place or anything like that. But today, they all got to be in their little cliques. If they ain't got their buddies with them, they're not going. And then, you know, you can't break your your comfortability being with your buddies because your buddies are always patting you on the back and telling you you're doing good. Mm-hmm. So exactly. that's one major problem I see today with the young guys is nobody – they don't – they're not out there – getting out there by themselves i see one or two and and even when you speak to the guys that are doing it by themselves the, their mindset is different than the ones that are doing it with their little clicks i mean it's it's amazing to, to see when you talk to them is is there any place i know you've been everywhere but is there any place you would love to go to or um yeah but Love to, uh, well, for one, Japan. I would love to go to Japan. Um, two, uh, I wouldn't mind getting out to the West Coast, the very, you know, California. I've been out West, but I haven't been as far as California. I would love to get out there. Um, Mexico, maybe, but I'm a little weary. I, I don't, that's one place I don't think I would want to go by myself. I would rather go with a couple of other guys, but uh, Mexico would be pretty wild. I got to go to Puerto Rico. That was, that was fun. And my dumb ass did go by myself to Puerto Rico. So that was pretty, that was pretty weird. Um, mm-hmm. But fun, but fun. <laughs> I, I definitely enjoyed it. Um, mm-hmm. So that was pretty wild. But, uh, as for the states, I would definitely say probably uh, out out to Cali. Yeah, New, New Orleans is New Orleans is not a bad city to go to. To be honest, who's that? New Orleans is not a bad city to go to. I I wrestled a couple times. Uh, wrestled twice down there. I cannot remember the name of the company, but uh, I wrestled uh, Rodney Mack twice there. And then uh, wrestled for Wildcat Sport, Luke Hawks' Wildcat Sports out there. So I've been, yeah, I've got to wrestle in New Orleans. Yeah, that's awesome. There's a promotion that's actually coming on our podcast. Like, was it July Geek or is it like, I forgot when it was. See, we have so many dates that I see. Oh, yeah, this is, we have their um, CEO coming on our podcast, and then we have the, the president. We, we also we also had so many people asking to be on the podcast that we we had to squeeze people in. And say uh, we don't have any dates available. Now we do because <laughs> <laughs> we had to squeeze. We had started squeezing because the thing is we only did Mondays and Fridays because me and him work uh, a nor- like a regular everyday job. And I'm like, do I really want to do an, a Thursday show? I'm like, all right, we will squeeze these people in. So 
Now we do Mondays, Thursdays, Fridays. Keeping you busy. Yeah, exactly. So. so we have a little comment from there. Oh. <laughs> Here we go. It's that person again. Yeah. So, whatever. <laughs> I don't know these people. I don't even know yeah. who that guy is. That's weird. Yeah, yeah. That was a weird guy, but whatever. Yeah, that was a little weird there, wasn't there? Yeah. Yeah. That was, that was awkward. Yeah, but, like, uh, here's a better one. <laughs> yeah. What's your favorite city to wrestle in? Favorite city. Um let's see. Uh Charlotte was cool. Yeah, just because of the nostalgia. Charlotte, North Carolina, Greensboro, North Carolina. Um let's see. Uh you know, I guess it really wasn't a city, but like I said earlier, Puerto Rico was pretty wild to wrestle in the crowd that there. Um, uh, Philly. Philly was really fun. I spoke about that earlier. But, yeah, I would say Philly, just being because of that crowd and, like, how we spoke about how they're, uh, you know, hard to impress. And uh, as nostalgia, probably Charlotte and Greensboro. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like that. Like, there's also like the the New York City crowd. That they're they're a tough crowd to uh, crack unless you have to really, you have to really have something to get them to be like, oh, yeah, yeah. Haven't had that chance, but I wrestled New Jersey quite a bit, so I'm sure it's. I mean, I know New York's New York, but <laughs> yeah, I'm sure, I grew, I'm sure I, they're pretty close. I I grew up in New York, so like, there's a. There's an indie promotion. If you ever get a chance to check it out, um, they're called the New York the New York Wrestling Connection, NYWC, yeah. and um, like Kurt Hawkins, Zack Ryder, MJF, all those guys have come out of there, and they're like a like a hotbed, like they're like yeah. a gem in New York. Like, mm-hmm. if you ever get a chance to travel out to the East Coast, definitely like give them a call or give them a hit on Instagram. Get their numbers on there. You can just say, hey. Are you guys doing a show? I'm looking at, I'm coming to the East Coast. Are you, are you doing a show? I need a spot. If they got a spot, they could bring you on. But they're, they're a good, they're a good organization. Geek, Geek yeah. go to their shows a lot when I lived in New York. I was, we was like, we'd all pile in, in Geek's car and travel over to the Rexplex or whatever the place was. We would go there and just like sit and watch these shows for $10 and they were like so worth it. Like, no. Yeah, I've heard of them, and they they definitely use some great talent. They um they have a match that was it's right up your alley, Damien. It's called the Psycho Circus. It's like half a cage, right, Geek? They have like uh, chairs. Half a ca- it's half a cage wrapped in barbed wire. It's um there's uh, thumbtacks, tables, ladders, oh, wow. uh, every, everything you name it, and there's always something crazy that happens in that match. Always. Always. You gotta, you gotta like the name since I'm a Kiss fan, so Psycho Circus. Yeah. You gotta like that. <laughs> There's one, sure. one guy found it, was trying to look for a table. He found a fake table, and they were the one. The wrestler in the ring had to use the go. They had to go through the table to win the match, and the guy was trying to look the table, wonder why it was so heavy. So they picked, they got the table in the ring. They did the um. What's that movie he did? Geek the, side, the side effect. The side, side effect. effect of the table. The table break. 
Oh, well, I, you, you can go on YouTube and see a match with me versus Sean Denny where I go to power drive him off the top rope through a table, and the table didn't even crack. Oh. We, bounced, we bounced off the table. Oh. <laughs> the, ta- the, yeah. the table won that match. Yeah. So I know all about that. <laughs> After the show, you gotta give me a couple of links to your YouTube matches, man. We got, I got me and Joe guys sit there and watch them. I'll sit and watch them all night. <laughs> yeah, my so, my favorite match is not up there no more. Um, favorite match and uh, my favorite spot ever. Uh, my, my favorite wrestling pitcher came from this match. Everything is was is taken. It's not up there no more. So I'm kind of bummed. Kind of bummed. Ah. Uh, you know the reason yeah. why, or uh, if it's copyrighted? Um, no, I, I really don't know because it's it, the company, um, the promoter kind of got called out during all that speaking out movement stuff that oh. was going on not too long ago, and he reached out to me a few times and I didn't respond, and I don't know if he did it to piss me off, but. None of my other stuff is taken down, just that match. And I don't know if he knew that it was what I consider one of my best matches and favorite matches and took it down to piss me off. But yeah, it's, it's like gone. And it's the, um, the matches against Sean Denny. It was my, what was to be at the time was right as I was leaving Virginia, moving to Tennessee. So it was my last match there. And, um, me and Sean's had major history, you know, matches, great matches. So I, I wanted him to be my last match. And um, the spot that I, we did was uh, he blows out the green mist like Muda and Kabuki. And what we did was uh, as I was coming down with my top rope elbow, as I was coming down, he blew the mist up in my face. So I still hit the elbow, but he blew the mist in my face. And the pitcher um, – I'll send it to y'all. I, I, I've shared it quite a few bit on Facebook, but uh, the picture is like the the cameraman has got Sean leaning up, blowing out. You see the green mist blowing out, and me in midair with the elbow position and my face like holy shit look on my face because this mist is getting ready to blow right in my face. And uh, so that was it was pretty unique, you know. Never seen it done that way and. Uh, just the picture and everything about that was amazing. So just for it not to be up there no more kind of kind of irritates me. But, you know, what am I going to do? So I'd probably try to find somebody to get me a copy of it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, if you can find a clip of the, the, the missed and mid, mid-video mid clip, you can always send it to us on the Dudes That page. We'll definitely post the clip on <laughs> on the Instagram. Well, I know, yeah, I know, I know I got a picture, a still picture of it, but – uh I have to see if I can't find somebody that might have it on video or DVD or something and get it. Cause like I said, I consider it, I would probably put it in my top three matches of my career. And uh, it was, it was really fun to watch. That's great. Yeah. It's always, it's always good to have that one match that you find that's your defining, like the moment that you know that you were like, this is why I do this. This is my yeah, it- there was everything. Everything about that match was just free. I mean, we didn't miss a beat. Um, everything came off great. Uh, the crowd was 
you know, full packed house, that building that they run in is freaking amazing. Yeah. So everything about it was, it was just special. So it was, it was pretty wild. Is it, is there a moment where like you were, when you were uh, growing up that you said, I want to do this? What was that? Uh, I knew, I, when I was seven years old and first discovered wrestling, I was like, yeah. this is what I want to do. Was I'm yeah, saying like was there was there a match or moment that you watched? No, nah, uh, nah, it was uh, it was a Saturday morning watching cartoons and changing a channel and oh shit, what's this? And I was hooked, glued, and it's like I it, somebody asked on face one of the uh, Facebook uh, fan pages or something about that, and I was and they were like, you know, what was the match or wrestler that made you want to be? And I was like. Honestly, whoever was on my TV when I changed the channel, I can't tell you who it was, but whoever it was made me want to be a wrestler. <laughs> gotcha. I know it was good. I know it was Meadowland Championship Wrestling, but I just honestly couldn't tell you who was on the TV. But I knew then that that was what I wanted to do. Mm-hmm. And we were in the backyard the very next day. <laughs> <laughs> I think I was seven years old, 1978. I can tell you my my first live match I ever went to. I was I was seven years old. My mom, my mom, my grandma might have been with us, but uh, the main event was uh, Tony Atlas against Ernie Ladd, and the semi main event was Rufus R. Jones against Ox Baker. Wow, uh-huh. I have a poster. I have a poster on my wall for the Junkyard Dog Memorial show from New York City and Ox Baker is actually on the poster. I, I, actually, nice. I, I actually remember seeing Ox Baker and Dusty Rhodes fighting in Ring of Honor inside a steel cage. I don't know if you got you remember that. I think oh, it was wow. like, I don't know if you remember that oh four like I think it was I was trying to get Dusty's autograph, right? And then Ox mm-hmm. Baker comes out of nowhere just says I don't know, he he was he was in a feud with Dusty so and then they had to cancel. I think I was the last one to get an autograph from Dusty for that day. And <laughs> and then uh, and then everyone's like, no, it's like I think Ricky. And then Ricky the Dragon Steamboat came out and started signing autographs for everybody. So because he was in this uh, view with Ox Baker, then towards the end of the show, Ox, ba- uh, Ox Baker comes out like it's a scramble cage, no scramble cage match, right? Where that is, right? So. Yeah. Ox Baker comes out in the middle of the match, jumps in the side of the steel cage, and he starts attacking all the all the uh, the faces. Right, Dusty comes out, hits, starts hitting the bionic elbow on everybody, every single one of the guys, the heels and everything. So and the place uh, went nuts. Uh, the place <laughs> went nuts. The place went nuts for him. They popped. You know they. they popped. Popped. It's Dusty. Yeah. <laughs> Big time popped. Dusty was amazing. You know? He didn't. Pop yeah, he, he was really nice. Uh-huh. Super cool guy. Very much so. Uh-huh. He's missed one hundred percent in the business. I know that for sure. He's missed. Have you ever oh, met okay. him or or? Uh... Yeah, yeah, I met him a few times. Uh, we uh, we did a couple of shows in Chesapeake, Virginia, where Magnum TA is from and still lives. And we did uh, it was the Magnum TA Cup. We did a tournament couple times and uh dusty was there a few times for that and then i met him a few times in wwe yeah he's a really good guy uh-huh. do, you have, do you have any stories from dusty or uh 
no, no, uh, no, no stories. Um, I can tell you, speaking of the Magnum TA Cup, I can tell you a story from that where Magnum was there and he was sitting front row. And of course, everybody was trying to figure out a way to do the belly to belly in their match because Magnum being there. So uh, I was wrestling my buddy Rex and we were wrestling and I said, uh, you know, screw the belly to belly. Everybody else wants to do that. I'm going to be the dickhead heel and do the move from his arch rival. And I, I hooked Rex for the slingshot and I looked right at Magnum and said, this is just for you, buddy. <laughs> I hit the sling, slingshot suplex that Tully always did. And as I was pinning Rex, I was looking straight at Magnum, and Magnum's just freaking grinning from ear to ear at me. So I go to him at, at intermission. I was like, man, I hope you didn't get mad at me for you know, healing on you like that. He was like, oh, no, I loved it, man. I was tired of everybody doing the damn belly to belly. You did something <laughs> different. <laughs> I was like, good. I made him pop. <laughs> you got him happy. You didn't get him like that. <laughs> Exactly. Huh. Uh, yeah, he's Magnum was a great guy too. And I'd tell you, uh, a little story about Magnum was uh, when I was growing up going to Hampton Coliseum, we were able to go around back and go early in the day and go around back, and you know they the wrestlers pull up in the taxi cabs or their uh, limo or their rental cars, and you know I we met a lot of them. You know they stayed in character, you know because we were kids. But I got to meet a lot of them back there. But uh, one night, we were back there, me and my, and my best friend's, excuse me, my best friend's mom worked the ticket booth at the Hampton Coliseum. So we always went really, really early, and we always stayed really, really late. And um, we were there real early one day, and uh, this old man, older gentleman started talking to us, and he mentioned that he was Magnum's dad. And he was like, I'm going to let you two – kids in on a secret but you can't tell nobody until later on the night and of course we were like okay okay what is what is it and it was the night before is when uh baby doll was just up as security guard and came down to the ring and gave tully the roll of quarters and they knocked magnum out and beat magnum for the u.s belt he said you know he told us he said tully beat magnum last night for the belt and told us what happened and da 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 so when we went in the Coliseum, it was supposed to be Magnum defending against Tully. Well, they announced that Tully defeated Magnum and that Tully defending against Magnum tonight. So we thought we were the coolest little kids in the world because we had the inside scoop before anybody else. Yeah, that's all awesome. of our friends and all that stuff. So yeah, we got that that was that's pretty wild, that little story there. That's awesome. The mom wants to know if you have any pets. <laughs> Me. I, I got five fur babies. I got wow. a, uh, all of them. All of them are, are girls. I got a little uh, little teacup Yorkie. I got a little pocket beagle. I got a rescue pity, a rescue husky, and a little rescue. Uh, they say she's uh, part pity, part massive. I don't see no massive in her. I see more great Dane or something like that. But uh, but yeah, I got five fur babies. I got my hands full. I got. I have two. I have two uh, wiener dogs. Two Dachshunds. There you go. They're my world, man. I love them to death. One, one's, one's the one that would see you, run up to you, even though it doesn't know you from a hole in the wall. 
The other one just sits back and goes, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> like, eh, no, no. And, and, and it's funny. They, it, they see honey and they'll go over to say pet honey. And my dad has to warn people. I, I, I wouldn't. I wouldn't. It's like honey would be the face. Dexter's definitely the heel. <laughs> there you go. He's like, don't touch me. <laughs> don't touch me. He's like smiling. If he had thumbs, he'd have a little steel chair in his hand, in his paws. Oh, oh goodness. <laughs> he'd be the biter. All, all, all of mine are baby faces. Yeah. <laughs> They're all, all big babies. <laughs> I could have a whole lot more if my wife will let me, but um, I get in trouble. For, I got in trouble for getting the last one. <laughs> yeah, yeah. My girlfriend's in love with the golden doodle, so that's her picture right there. So, yeah. <laughs> um, I just uh, a job that I just built a barn at. Then that the neighbor of the customer they had what? What'd you call it? Golden doodle or what is it? Yeah, golden. Gold, that what it's gold called? Dude. That's that's yeah. that's it right there. It's a poodle yeah. and it's uh as a poodle and uh, a golden retriever mix. Yeah, that they had that look just like that, and then they, they had puppy that was that was a golden or I, I guess it couldn't be a golden doodle because it was black, but it was looked just like that, but it was black. And oh. I thought it was the cutest little two things in the world. <laughs> Cause I love dogs. I don't care who's got the dog. I, I see a dog. I'm like, can I please say hi to your baby, <laughs> please? <laughs> yeah, I love dogs. And uh, yeah, her dog is really, really smart. By the way, like you, you could talk to it and stuff like that, and it'll start talking back to you. So that, that's my husky. My husky's a talker right. boy. She will talk your ears off. Like, like you'll say, like you'll say, it's like no. No, I'll be like, like that. <laughs> yeah, my, mine will do that. Mine will stomp her little. She'll stomp her feet when she's talking to you. I mean, it's 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 amazing. It's amazing how she's smart they are. No, very, very. Yeah. <laughs> and then my my puppy, her name, she's a female, and her name's Boogie. And I always tell people they look at me and they're like. You named a female dog Boogie, and I'm like, well, if you knew her, you'd know why her name is Boogie. She's my, <laughs> she's, she's my, she's my tomboy. I got, you know, like I said, I got five girls. I can let all five of them outside, and they can be outside doing whatever, and she'll be the only one to come in with mud from head to toe. Oh man, jeez. <laughs> she is my tomboy. So yeah, we when we first got her, we we. My wife picked out Willow for the name, and I don't even think we had her a day, and I was calling her Boogie. I said, I don't know where Boogie came from, but she acts like a Boogie, and so she's going to be a Boogie. <laughs> the mod says there are black golden doodles, though. Okay, good <laughs> so deal. Good deal. I'm not, I, I'm not feeling too stupid now. <laughs> <laughs> One of my friends has a golden doodle because his mom is allergic to dog hair, so they have, like, it's not like their dog, not like the one in the picture. It's like more like a golden, golden doodle, the color yeah. of hair. But man, it it likes to steal hats. I had like a baseball cap. I put, it, took it off because I respect to take off my hat when I'm inside, and I'm eating it with the hat on side. And this dog must have saw my hat hanging around the, the edge of the handles of the, the chair, and it just 
all I, all I felt was I'm looking at my hat, eating my, my pizza or hot or whatever I was eating, and I see my hat just fade away. <laughs> you thought you, you would have thought a ghost stole my hat. I was like, what the? No. <laughs> I'm like, good thing I'm eating a hot dog. I'm jumping and running. And I'm like, I had a pit in my early 20s that used to love to chew off the buttons of your jeans. I had probably 10 pairs of jeans that had no button. <laughs> okay, we're going from, we're going from uh, dudes at ringside to floofs at ringside instantly. <laughs> <laughs> Shit, there was one time she, uh, I was date, uh, wasn't date, uh, I was messing around with a girl, a girl, she was married. And she came over for that. Her husband was in the military, and a lot of times he would go out drinking with his friends. And she came over one night, and the funny thing was, is my dog chewed up her, one of her shoes while we were upstairs. Mm-hmm. So she had to go home shoeless, and thank God her husband was drunk on the couch. So she got in without having to explain why she was coming home shoeless because of my dog eating her shoe. <laughs> Uh, oh no! Uh, horrible. Uh, is there any uh, movie? Yeah. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. As, uh, what's your favorite movie so far? You have, if you have movies, um, I'm not a big movie guy, but my favorite movie I would say is Pulp Fiction. I love Pulp Fiction. Um, uh-huh. I like that. Uh, any any movie that makes me think, um, like uh, you know, I love. Uh, you ever heard of Four Rooms? No. Sounds familiar. I think I've heard of that. It's one. A, yeah, it's another uh, Tarantino movie where he. Uh, it's got a bunch of big names. Antonio Banderas is in it, and some other big names. But uh, it's where he took him and three other writers and. They all wrote a story, and the only thing in common had to be a bellboy and a hotel, I mean, a a hotel room, I guess, a motel room. And so the thing is, is the story is there's four different hotel rooms with four different, there were different characters in each room, like the Antonio Berderis was, it was him, his wife, and they had two little kids. One was a little girl, probably about. 10, 11, 12, 13 ish, and then a little boy that was younger. And they go to uh, uh, downstairs to the, the they're dressed in tux and, and the dress, you know, they're going to the ball, I guess, downstairs in the ballroom. And they lead the little girl and little boy upstairs you know, in the room. And the, the, the stories, they interlink them to where, like, that point there, there's two bad guys in another room doing something that it's, it's an older movie. So I I'm, might be getting a little mixed up, but they interlinked it to where like the guy, one of the bad guys in the other room picks up the phone and he's talking on the phone. And then like 15 minutes later or so where they're back in the room with the two little kids, the little girls on the phone talking. And if you pay attention to what she's do- talking, she's talking to the bad guy from early, you know, they, they interlinked that movie like that. So oh, it was, man. so yeah, so it's the, anything that makes me have to watch from, you know, to where if I miss a second of it, you're lost, like Jacob's Ladder. That's all another older movie. I love Jacob's Ladder. And because, it, you know, it's, it's so, you can't really understand it unless you watch it a few times. Um, so any, anything like that, 
that makes me have to watch uh, and pay attention to what's going on without, you know, if I miss a minute, I'm lost. Uh, another good one is uh, I love Natural Born Killers with Willie Harrelson. That's a good love, one. Yeah, Willie Harrelson's an amazing actor. Um, but as for watching TV, if I'm not watching older wrestling, I'm really, really into uh, Egyptian stuff and ancient aliens. Oh, I love that stuff. I'm so hooked on to that stuff. It's not even. <laughs> Every time it's, it's wild because I watched, I, I watched, and I, I, I don't say study, but I watched, and I really pay attention to a lot of Egyptian shit. And I never watched Ancient Aliens. And probably three years ago, somebody finally got into my head and said, "You need to watch it." And I binge watched it. And at my whole total thinking of everything just like totally changed. And I'm just like blown away about everything. And as I started watching um, the uh, the dude that his hair, the, the, tucker, the, tucker, tucker, the tucker, yeah, that, that dude, he's got one on Amazon Prime, uh, searching for aliens or something like that. And I, I started, he's only got, it's only been six episodes so far. I binge watched those six, the yesterday, actually I watched two of them this morning before my show, but, uh, that, that, that's, yeah, I, I watch a lot of that stuff. So I'm really, really hooked into that, that stuff, uh, you know, anything about the Bible, learning studying the Bible and, and, you know, lost texts. And, you know, I, I watched a bunch of that stuff, uh, I want to say one of the ancient aliens kind of really made me start thinking about things because they came out with the, the one about the devil and where the whole story about the devil and the Lord might be backwards to where God is the bad guy and the devil is actually the good guy. And the way they put it was, you know, we all know the devil was banished from heaven but the reason he was banished from heaven was because he wanted to pass on the knowledge of the gods to the humans. And God didn't think the humans were ready for that knowledge. And that's the big fight right there. And that was why he got banished from there because he passed, he was wanting to pass on the knowledge to the humans. So that's where they were trying to say, you know, the devil might be the good guy. He was actually the one trying to help the humans on earth and stuff. And then, uh, um, it's like, uh, what was the other? Mm. Yeah, every time my girlfriend uh, thinks that, watch me and my girlfriend watch, watch that show. It's like, yeah, she's always it's, like, it's like they're talking, and then she's like, okay, you could turn it off. They're freaking me out now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it, it, it's wild, man. They, it really makes you think about that. And, and what I, the other thing I was going to say is, you know, like, with the Adam and Eve back on that story with Adam and Eve. Yeah. The, what did they get in trouble for eating? They ate the apple from the tree of knowledge and the snake was supposed to be the devil. And the snake told them to eat the tree, eat from the tree of knowledge. So that's the whole they were saying, you know, God didn't want us to have the knowledge of the gods because he didn't think we were ready, but the devil thought we were or Lucifer or whatever you want to call him thought we were and wanted to pass it on to us so shit like that makes me think about things man just and then you know 
if you did, if you ever heard about the Watchers and the Book of Enoch, you know, why is all that taken out of the Bible? And and it's so important to our to our history of mankind. But why why did they take it out? So it it, it I love that shit just to make me think and and stuff like that. That's that's I could watch it all day long. <laughs> yeah, you know, they have certain movies that you could watch. Like me with like uh, 80s movies like Ghostbusters, I could sit and watch them all the time and never be bored. But yeah, mm-hmm. anything like that, um, I could watch and never be bored, definitely. Yeah, like Tenant's another movie that you have to go and see anywhere to see. Tenant, are you gonna watch it like anything with Christopher Nolan? You gotta watch his movies because his movies you gotta watch them at least four times to be like. Oh, I I got it now because I watched it the second time and now I actually understood it. One thing that's pretty funny is back in uh, growing up, uh, not growing up, but when like when Jacob's Ladder came out and Pulp Fiction, when they both came out, I uh, I saw them at the theater, and the first time I saw both movies, I was tripping on acid. And I understood the movie right away to where the people that was with me that wasn't tripping on acid was lost. Mm-hmm. And I was like, Dude. it was like Pulp Fiction. It was when, uh, um, you know, you got John DeVolch's in there and then he's, he, he goes to get uh, Willis, John, uh, Bruce Willis, and he's in the bathroom. Bruce Willis shoots and kills him. Then later on, Bruce uh, J- uh, Travolta's back in the movie. And I kind of caught on right then and there that they he broke the the movie down into four parts and switched them all away all around and you got to follow it and they were lost as hell and I'm over here tripping on acid following it just great <laughs> I was like I don't I don't know if, you know that's what helped me under and it's the same thing with Jacob's ladder I caught on to what was going on with Jacob's ladder right you know right off the bat I was like dudes you know he's dying he's in the military he's dying and he's he's try he's he's floating from uh, heaven where he's seeing his wife and, and and kid and then he's dwelling in hell when he's with that living in the city with that girl the black kid girl and all that so you know I caught on to that just right away and my girlfriend at the time she was like totally lost asking me well, what's going on why is this happening? so I'm sitting here trying to explain to her as I'm watching the movie and I'm the one Sitting here tripping on acid, and I was like, I guess that really <laughs> helped me understand what was going on. Yep, so. <laughs> yeah. uh-huh. okay. All right. Uh, if like if you can get any wrestler from the past that has passed on to wrestle you one more match, who would that be and why? Mm, steamboat. Like I said earlier, just his his style of match versus my heel style, I think, is just a great mix. Um, uh, if you really watch me work, you'll see almost a little bit of all five or six of those guys that I said was my top top guys, and I could see every one of them guys having a great match with. I mean, well, we've already seen Steamboat and Tully. We've seen Steamboat and Wyndham. We've seen Steamboat and Rude. You know, I've seen Steamboat and Jake. You know, they all would have great matches with, with Steamboat. So I think, you know, Steamboat and me would have a really, really great match. Yeah. 
trying, trying to think of the name of that that uh, that the word that geek used earlier with the, our last guest from the the have you ever gotten a receipt or given anybody a receipt oh yeah <laughs> plenty yeah plenty 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 um uh i've never no, nothing in a malicious way it's always something fun um like uh wrestle a, a greener guy but a green guy that i knew quite well and he just didn't know how he I'm a pretty big chopper in my matches and he wanted to chop back with me. So I was letting him, and I kind of, there's a certain way I kind of take a chop. Um, I kind of over exaggerate everything. So I kind of, instead of lean, staying tucked into a corner and they chop you, I, you know, I, I hate when they put you in a corner and they put your arms around the ropes and they chop, you know, you can't even really sell it when they do you that way. So I'll, I'll almost come out of the corner just a little bit. So when I get chopped, I can kind of fly into the corner type gimmick. But when I did that, I, you know, I, I, when I leaned forward, defeating my chest, he misjudged his chop. So he chopped me right in the mouth. Mm. And as soon as he chopped me in the mouth, his eyes got as big as soccer balls. <laughs> he was like, oh, shit. <laughs> and I was like, Receipt. <laughs> <Here we go. laughs> so all I did was chop me a little harder than normal on a couple of things, you know, nothing, nothing malicious. And same thing with me, just, you know, like something like off by a little bit or a little, little, little snugger on this. And you're like, Oh shit, I guess I got a receipt coming. <laughs> yeah, definitely. But, yeah. but def definitely nothing on a, Nothing on a, a, a malicious or wanting to hurt somebody way. Nothing like that. But um, have, who who do you think hits the hardest? Would you say, in your opinion? Oh, um, I'd probably say Cahagas and Bordell Walker. Bordell, yeah, I remember. I remember Bordell from Ring of Honor. Oh man, me and Bordell and me and Cahagas. We've probably wrestled every match of, of imaginable, and both of them work the same way I work, and that's snug, stiff, um, but safe. You know, never been hurt by either one of them. But uh, we've we've beaten each other black and blue, and no, nobody can say that any, any three of us. I guarantee, if they worked each other, they'd be the same way. But you know, the three of us, nobody can say the three of us are fake. <laughs> Did you get, ever get a chance to work with New Jack before he? Um, yeah, uh, not a match, but it was for uh, WrestleCade, and I was feuding with C.W. Anderson, and New Jack came out. At, I was getting ready to power drive. Referee knocked out. I was getting ready to power drive C.W. Uh, New Jack came out. This is on YouTube. Uh, New Jack came out, and, you know, dumbass healed me, thinking New Jack's coming to help me. And, you know, he comes out with this trash can of gimmicks and uh, he ends up beating me up with a couple of gimmicks. And then I take the super kick from C-Dub for the one, two, three. But uh, so, yeah, I got beat up by him. They never have a match, but I got my ass kicked by him. It, we were doing a show with another podcast and we were like doing like dream matches. And we mentioned a wrestler. Well, what, wait, I forgot Nick, what wrestler Nick, it was. Nick Gage. Nick Gage, Nick Gage versus, versus New Jack. 
And one of the guys in the comments says recipes new jack, and we thought maybe because of the match style we said. I went to my phone like I always do to check any upgating any sports or any like any check anything was going on with wrestling and just the news feed on Instagram is all new jack rest in peace stuff. And I just looked up like New Jack, breaking new jack and breaking I didn't know how to do it. I'm like I feel like I felt like I felt like Channel Seven News in the eighties. I'm like breaking news, New Jack has New Jack from ECW is dead. And they were like yeah. Our energy level for our podcast went from up to like 100 to like 90, and then maybe to like 60. We're like, yeah, I think we, we lost. Yeah, yeah, I, think I was we definitely lost. kind of scared and petrified, you know, with that, you know, hearing his stories, and he didn't know who I was. But I, I think I got lucky that I knew C Dub pretty good, and C Dub kind of put put me over to him. So, you know, as everything he did to me, he protected me very, very well. I was very, very, very shocked <laughs> that he, he did that. So, you know, it wasn't nothing sloppy. You know, he hit me just right with everything. Um, even the trash can lid still even had the handles on them, and I was kind of worried about that. And he made sure that nothing hit me wrong. You know? So I was, I was kind of shocked about that, but uh, it was fun. Uh-huh. Did, uh, do you watch Dark Side of the Ring, or have you catched up with it? Or uh, yeah, yeah, yeah so. I watched. Right, yeah, oh, right. I was well, on well. Um, the one of the very first, the one with uh, MVP. Um, there's a lot of me on there because uh, I got to wrestle MVP in one of those that match. They said that Vice was following him around, but I didn't know at the time that it was going to be all that. I didn't know it was going to be all this stuff, but. Uh, yeah, on the the one of the very first season ones with uh, MVP, I was on quite a bit of that one. What do you which uh, uh, what do you think they should make a, a lower um, uh, dark side of the ring for? What do you think it should be like another episode that that hasn't been done before? Um, one I would like to see would probably be uh, hmm. I don't know because all the they've they've been doing they've been pretty good on all the you know and then being in the business so long you pretty much know all the this, the dirt. stories and the, the background and the dirt and so there's really there's two of them I come to my mind that I don't think they've done. What was that now? I think there's two of them that come to my mind that I don't think they have done. There's uh. Crown Jewel they haven't done, and then there's uh, and then there's uh, Lucha Underground. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was just just uh, talking to somebody the other day about Lucha Underground. Um, yeah, that would be a good one to you know about to see what happened on that one. You Crown Jewel, you talking about the WWE gimmick? Yeah, yeah, exactly that one, the one where it didn't where they didn't get to leave. Yeah. Yeah, the stories I heard about—that was scary, you know. I heard about the stories about that. So a lot of the wrestlers don't work for WWE now, so a lot of them could probably tell a lot of the stories. Yeah, I've heard a lot of—I guess you can call them horror stories—from people going to these other 
countries and not being able to leave or or whatnot. And I'm like, no, nah, you know, I think I'll pass on all of that. And, and <laughs> exactly. Going to Puerto Rico was pretty wild, you know, being alone um, and just, you know, the whole Bruiser Brody gimmick you know, that sits in the back of your head and and all that. But it that actually turned out Uh -oh. oh, we lost him. He's gone. No, he's still there. No. Uh, slowly. Okay. All right. You're back. All right. All right. In and out. In and out. Oh, yeah. Man. So, so what I was saying is, uh, when they picked me up from a hotel to get to where the building was, we had to drive through the hood of Puerto Rico. So that was pretty freaking, that was, that was pretty wild. I mean, every, everything from every house to every business to, I mean, it looked like the dog houses, no lie. was the windows were uh, bars and everything else. And I'm like, this is freaking crazy. And then you, you you're driving and then you, and no lie, on the side of the road, just walking, chilling like it's everyday life was a, a donkey, a pig, a goat, a chicken, and something else. No lie. They were walking down the road like they were best buddies hanging out together. And I'm like, this is yeah. some crazy shit. Uh -huh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Puerto Rico's like that. I have family that lives there I, sometimes. Like my uncle, he, he lives there sometimes and he'll come back and She'd be like, I have a little hut. I don't even have my phone on. I just turn my phone off, and I'm in Puerto Rico, and I'm just like, I couldn't do that. I'd be freaked out. I'd be like missing something on the other side. <laughs> oh. It's pretty wild out there, but it was fun. Mm -hmm. So um, if, if there was a kid that came up to you and said, a boy or a little boy or a little girl came up to you and said, I want to be a professional wrestler, like what, what would you what would you tell them? Uh, just do your research on, you know, where you're getting trained at. Definitely go get trained. Today we got too many uh, kids that think, like, we got too many of, say, y'all two, you two guys are wrestlers and – I befriend y'all and I'm like, I want to be a wrestler too, man. Can I start hanging out with y'all and riding up the roads with y'all? And then my training is getting in the ring with y'all before shows. That's not training. Yeah. That's not, I mean, a lot of guys get their training that way. And the ones who are natural are the ones who end up being pretty good at it. But if you're not a natural and you're getting trained that way, you're going to be the shits the whole day on time. So just make sure you get trained the right way. Um, I tell guys, uh, you, you hear some people always say, you know, make sure your trainer is somebody that's been there and done that. Well, my two trainers never been there and done that. And I knock on wood and thank God every day I got trained the way I got. I got trained the right way. My two guys who trained me with their heart and not the, you know, not for the money. Uh -huh. And just, you know, just look for that. I mean, you can – there's too many scams out there, too many schools on every corner, like a 7-Eleven. 
and the guys teaching. Yeah, I guarantee you, four out of every six teachers out there that call themselves teachers shouldn't be teaching. Mm. Mm-hmm. Straight up. So, uh-huh. just do your research. That's the name, main number one goal is to do your research, and you just can't have somebody bullshitting you because. This business—it's not the glamorous life we all think it is. Believe me, it's not. I love it. It's just because I got the passion for it. But I'll tell you straight up, it's not the glamorous life. You—you heard it from the mouth of babes, Van. Heard it from the mouth of babes. He'll tell you the truth. So. That's why he's the unpredictable one. So. Yep, just don't bullshit nobody. I, I tell guys when they send me matches and want me to critique their matches, I tell them straight, I said, you know, it's going to be tough love. I It's like I said one time I posted on Facebook. I was like, it, because, they, you know, people can't take criticism. You know, they, they fuck you. you who, who are you to tell me that, you know? Mm-hmm. If you if you got to hurt my feelings to make me better than make me cry, tell me my shit sucks. Yeah. Don't bullshit me. Don't sit there and oh man, you're good. You you did. and that's why I said earlier, if guys travel with their little clicks and they pat each other on the back, and you know I can sit there and watch these guys wrestle each other, and I'm like. It, God, this shit sucks, and they get in the back, and they're like praising each other. Oh, man, this was all that was awesome. Did you hear the crowd? And in my head, I'm like, the crowd was sitting on their ass. What the fuck were y'all listening? To? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, I, you know, I've been around too many guys that, that you know, that's not gonna bullshit you. You know, I, I pick the brains of guys that are gonna tell me straight up, hey, this one of the best people in the world that I go to is my wife. And my wife was going, growing up, going to Mid-Atlantic, same time I was. We didn't know each other, but she, she's old school. And she watches, and she, she knows what's good, and she knows what's bad. And she knows this business inside and out. And I tell guys, I'm like, if you want an honest opinion of your match, go ask my wife. Because she'll tell you straight to your face, oh, I like you. You're good. You're you're really good at what you know, what you do, and I've seen her tell guys straight there, "You suck. You need to go back to training." <laughs> and you know, so I, I, she's the first person I ask. When I, as soon as I get to the dressing room, I grab my phone. Hey, honey, how's the match look? And she'll tell me straight up, uh, "Wasn't that good, honey?" Or you know, it was a really good match. Oh, that kid was really, good. you know, she'll put it over, and you know. She's another, you know, like she, she, she'll call you out if she sees you talking. She'll call you out if she sees you blading. And that's one of my biggest accomplishments is she's never busted. She can't bust me doing either one. She gets mad about it. She tries her hardest to call me out on talking and she'll try her hardest to catch me blading if I, if, if I'm, you know, if I know I'm going to juice and she's never been able to do it. So I feel pretty accomplished on that one, but uh, I just, I I know who I can go to that's going to tell me straight up, you know, when Tracy Smothers was alive and I was on a lot of shows with him, I went straight to him and because I knew he wouldn't bullshit me. Mm -hmm. 
So, you know, that's what you got to have. You can't have somebody, you know, in anything, anything, you know, y'all can't have people kissing y'all's ass. Oh, y'all's podcast is the best thing in the world. You know, if nobody tells y'all what to improve on, then you're never going to get better. Exactly. You know, exactly. Exactly. We always get, we always get mixed, mixed bags sometimes, you know, but you know, we're doing, I think we're doing good. You know, Maybe. You, all, you, 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 you learn as you go and uh, you only get better as you go. Exactly. Yeah. And, and like t- in 10 years, I'm going to be like, that podcast sucked. <laughs> because, you <know>. <laughs> but <laughs> then you'll because... look at another pot, but then you'll look at another one and be like, that one was really freaking good, man. We hit everything exactly. on point. Exactly. Um, you know, so, but in 10 years, I'll be like, you know, if we talk to you again, we'll be like, oh, wow, this one was a lot better than the last time talking, you know, because you're going to keep. I know, I, I know, I know we're going to ask you back because you, you have a lot of stories and you have a lot of things that like wrestlers, like that guy that was in the chat, Riley Measures, a lot of stuff that he, a lot of, because he's a younger wrestler, a lot of stuff that he could learn from you from the ring that most people can't tell him. Uh-huh. Yeah. He can go onto your learning tree and learn something from you that he never learned from anybody in, in England. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, uh-huh. definitely. I mean, I, I'm, I'm, I love, like I said earlier, I love that. I love it. Pick my brain. I'm, if, if I don't know it, I'll find out the answer and, and let you know, believe me, you know, and I'm, I always tell young guys, I'm like, if you have any, you know, Hey, if you need to know who this promoter is, who this booker is, if you're getting ready to work this person, you don't, you need to know who they are, you know, hit me up. I'm not saying I know everybody, but I guarantee you I know nine out of 10 and I'll, or then that 10th one that I don't know, I'm sure I can find out. So, you know, hit me up. Yeah, I love that stuff. I just, you know, the more I can help somebody, the, the better, the I feel and, and and I think more more vets like me should be like that instead of worrying about their spot or worrying about somebody doing this to them or doing that. You know, fuck all that. Help people. Just you know, the more better guys we can get. Like I said earlier, the more better talent and guys we can get in the ring with us, it's better for everybody from the fans to the promoters to the bookers to us workers. Have you had the opportunity to meet uh, Joe Koff or uh, who? Joe Koff. Uh, he's the uh, new CEO of Ring of Honor. No, Mm-mm. no. Yeah, I, I no. think you were there. You were there when Carrie was there, right? Yeah, yeah. I was Sick. there. When, uh, Carrie. Carrie was there. It was Carrie and uh, Gabe, and then it was just Carrie. And I was there right around the beginning of the talks of the. Uh, Sinclair, if I'm not mistaken. But, yeah, that's when Joe uh, took yeah, over. I, I don't, yeah, I was right, right. I think right when I stopped going there um, is right about that time. Uh-huh. So, yeah, I haven't, I haven't, haven't been or talked to anybody there in a while because once Gabe left and went to Evolve. I talked to him about going out there a few times and then I was just being involved is not my style. And it's just, uh, early ring of honor was 
was my even like Ring of Honor now is not really my style. Um, just those I don't want to call them spot fests because a lot of them do have some good psychology to them, but just all that is just is just not me. Uh, so I don't think I would fit into to I, I like earlier uh, Ring of Honor like uh, when uh, you know Carino and uh, Pierce and Homicide and you know, some of them guys, which was was my more my style. Brent Albright, you know, guys like that. I, I the mix was a little, little better. Today, I just think it's more. more I can use athletic. You know, I'm a little older in age. My knees are shot. My back is shot. Early in my career, I was not good. Not now. <laughs> yeah. Is so, Brent Albright still wrestling or? Sorry. Who's that? Is Brent Albright still wrestling or? Uh... Uh, he got out a long time ago. Yeah, it wasn't too long after the Ring of Honor and NWA stuff that he, uh, he stopped wrestling. He was shy. He was a pretty good talent, really talent. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> We lost him. All right. Oh. We'll be back, though. But anyway, so, I mean, oh, wait, wait. he's back, but I he's can't back. connect. There he goes. There we go. Yeah, there we go. We're back. back. Yeah. No, I was going to yeah, say. You got a mind if, the yeah. Yeah. Oh, um, we don't want to hold you up and have you stay up all night because you just got out of a show. So if yeah. you want to go, eventually you can. Because you've been talking. Gonna... I... Yeah, yeah. I guess I'll get on home. Uh, I know the wife is asleep already. So. Thanks for talking. To I think I got about what two and a half hour drive. Yeah. Oh crap! Yeah, well, <laughs> you got to have some energy to drive home. You know. <laughs> Yeah, that's a that's a hot skip and a jump to my normal shit. So yeah. I guess I'm all right on that. <laughs> uh, uh, I just want to thank I just want to thank you for coming out and spent and uh, on the podcast and taking the time out. By the way, for the to oh, talk with us, my had a blast. pleasure, guys. my pleasure. And you know, like I said earlier, I always put guys over like y'all that do these podcasts and give us a you know a platform to uh, tell our stories and. Tell everybody who we are and put over professional wrestling and indie professional wrestling. And so I thank you guys a lot. So it's a pleasure to be on with you. Oh, no problem. We'll, we'll have to get you in the future. And like, and like we're booked till 2022, but we have month times in January that are open still. So when it gets close to those times, if nothing, nobody jumps, I'm coming back to you and say, Hey, Damien, you want to come back? <laughs> <Sorry>. <laughs> Back. Anytime, man. Anytime I'll be on, and uh, I'll definitely reach out to a couple of guys and tell them to uh, reach out to y'all and, and try to hook something up. All right. Yeah. Th- thanks so much again for coming on, by the Thank way. Again. No, definitely, guys. My pleasure. Take Thank care. You, Keep rocking. Later, guys. That was cool. That was cool. What a great guest! Oh my god, a, he was a good, he's a good guy, man. He's cool, cool, and his stories his, about baby doll and and uh, 
Ring of Honor. Ring of w, Honor. Dusty, everything, you know. Everybody, Dusty, wow. Yeah. Um, so, Geek, let's say, 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 say your goodbyes. I want to thank everybody for staying up really late right now. I want to thank all the great fans, by the way. I forgot to mention this early in the week. We just reached 2,000 fans on Instagram. So thank you so fucking much. You have no idea how much this means. And you don't you don't have to, but if you don't, if you want to, remember, you don't have to. Joe's going to do it, right? HTTP streamlabs.com slash dudes at ringside. HTTP slash dudes streamlabs.com slash dudes at ringside. So Joe, take it away. Well, as I say always, as I said before, I don't know if I said it. If you have a chance, go and buy a t-shirt from an independent promotion. You can even get it from Damian Wayne's, that website that was down below before. And just remember, support your local indie feds that need help right now, even though they have currently doing fans in certain cities. But just remember... Oh, support what? them anyway. Support them anyway. Just do it. They need it. They need you. And as I always say, thank you to my grandfather, Jose Quinones, the Panther. Thank you to my cousin, Pete Sanchez. Thank you to my uncle's godfather, Frank Martinez, for lighting the way for all Latino wrestlers. Good night, everybody. See you Monday.